0: Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us for today's special message. Today, lead pastor David Fossil brings us a famous Bible character as he portrays the disciple Judas. Listen as Pastor Dave reveals how Judas' thoughts and actions give us some guidance that can change our lives. As we respond to Jesus' words.
1: Let's get one thing straight from the beginning. I, Judas Iscariot, despised the Romans. I hated them like all good Jews did in my day. They had arrogantly conquered our land. They had forced us to pay their taxes. They had raped our women. And they had killed our people. For me, they had, they had crucified my very own father when I was a young boy. It shouldn't surprise you, every Jew in my day, I say every Jew, that had a, had a, a friend or a neighbor, a classmate, a co worker, a family member, whose blood has been spilled by those arrogant men. The bitterness that I had for them, it explained my entire existence. It certainly helps explain why I did what I did that Easter week. Don't you understand? What I don't understand is how you can be so self-righteous and naive and simple-minded in your interpretation of the events. Yes, I, uh, I Judas, I denied him once. But that loud-mouthed fisherman denied him three times that night. I, I did not put Yeshua, Jesus, on trial. I, I did not fabricate evidence. I certainly did not put crown of thorns on His head or drive nails to His hands. And yet you look to me as the incarnation of evil. You look to me as the reason He was put on the cross. Every Easter, I am the object lesson of what not to do. But if you want someone to blame, read Read your Scriptures. Oh, they are clear and saying, not just you thus. No, not just you thus, but everyone. Everyone of you and your filthy sin. That's why He was on the cross. I am here today to tell my story. To help you understand a little bit more of Easter story and role I played. But, but I, am, I am also here to warn you. Warned because some of you, you you do not even realize it, but you are on path to make the same mistake I did. To believe that that our plans for life are actually wiser and better than God's plans for life. (laughs) You should know that uh, I believed in Jesus. I loved Him. I genuinely thought I was doing the right thing. I, I was not merely a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth, but a confidant, a friend. I was, I was basically part of his family. When mother, several months after they had brutally taken father from us, she announced we would be leaving Jerusalem. She did not want to be near the puppet that was Herod or the Roman cohort who had murdered my father. And so we moved to Kerioth, a small village on the southern point and the tip of Israel. Her brother, my uncle, he lived there. My family in Kerioth, we uh, we deeply loved Yahweh God. We we've made sacrifices for atonements of sin. And of course we did everything we could to obey God's holy law. We were deeply nationalistic. One wanted uh, the freedom for our beloved uh, Israel as soon as possible from domination. As soon as we arrived, uh, my uncle, he put us to work in his very successful uh, wool business. My, my cousins, they, they were responsible for overseeing uh, my, my cousins, and uh, Yeru, would would look over the flock that he owned. My favorite cousin, Eliakim, always made me laugh. He, he was responsible to wash wool, prepare it. And then my mother and my aunt, they would carefully, from sunup to sundown, they would weave and they would spin the wool. Every day, except for the Sabbath day. After a while, I, I realized I did, I did not like to get my hands dirty. And so, though I was young, my uncle, he he'd made me responsible for the contracts of our business. I was responsible for the finances, the accounting of the company. <laughs> I, uh, it, it was these uh, skills with numbers, management and accounting that gave me position. Small, part-time job with a neighbor, Matthias. Matthias, he worked with uh, iron. He would make uh, cooking utensils, uh, farming equipment. But he also quietly would also make military gear. Shields, helmets. His specialty was daggers and swords. I still remember late one evening in the summer, I must have been 18, 19. It was when I was working on business books for Matthias in his shop. I met my first zealot. He, he had come in under the cover of darkness. He wanted to buy a dozen daggers for his gang. Uh, unlike the uh, Jewish religious authorities who would, who would look for political means to inch Romans from our land, the zealots, they took a far different approach. Zealots were a a paramilitary, extremely violent, nationalistic group that would use any means at their disposal, including assassinations, riots, insurrections, anything, to push Romans from our land. I I was not as violent, but I was equally as passionate. And so when opportunity came, I, I decided that I would become informally associated with zealot movement. I would not carry out any of the killings, no, but I, I desperately wanted to help. And so I helped behind the scenes with financial recording, with strategic planning. But most importantly, my role was to try and identify and then help finance anyone who could, who could further our cause against Romans. When my uncle, he discovered what, what I was doing, I was fearful that He would send mother and I away, but quite the contrary. He embraced me, told me how, how proud my father would have been of me. He even allowed me to, to use the, the business, the business trips that I was making in Israel to investigate claims of so-called messiahs. You complicate that word. That is a simple but powerful word in our scriptures. It is, it is a word that means revolutionary. It means leader. It can, it can mean king. Messiah was the one predicted by prophets to be sent by God to free and liberate people. In fact, at, um, around kitchen table, cousin Eliakim, he told me about the rumor of a, a new possible revolutionary messiah, one known as John the Baptizer. He was preaching and baptizing in Jordan, and, as per my task i I went to investigate. I was not altogether disappointed with what a baptizer had said. If in fact, he was preparing way for coming Messiah, that meant Messiah was close at hand. In fact, on my very next business trip to region of Galilee, I began to hear rumors of a Of a new rabbi, a possible revolutionary messiah who was drawing large crowds. He was called Yeshua Han Rossi. You know him as Jesus of Nazareth. I I discovered that the very next day he would be teaching at, at, at the lake right next to the inn where I was staying. And so the very next morning I very quickly did my business meeting with associate from uncle. And I made my way to lake. When I arrived on Bath, there were people pushing and shoving and trying to get to the front to see and hear him. Uh, but he was a clever rabbi. He asked a local fisherman to, uh, to take him out in boat onto the lake so that everybody could clearly see and hear him. It, it was amazing. Everybody hung on his every word. Young and old, woman and man, free and slave. I was intrigued by this man. I had to discover more. I needed to know, could he be our Messiah? Did he, did he have first a religious conviction? Uh, the, did he have political savvy? Did he have strength and power to lead our revolt? I decided I, I needed to follow him for two days and, and so I, I followed, I listened, I watched carefully. On the second day, he, he began to tell a story. He called them parables. This parable, if I recall it was a, it was about king and, and the king was going to go to war, but before going to war, he, he had to evaluate troops and power and strength. Could, could, did he have enough power to defeat enemy? Something like that. And as I was listening, I began to wonder, is he, is Yeshua and Rossi saying what I believe he's saying? Is he talking about preparing, planning attack on Romans? Uh, To be honest, when he told his uh, parables, most of us, we did not completely understand what he was saying. Uh, We were all backing up and preparing to leave. And then I looked up and something amazing happened. He was face to face with me. Eye to eye. He looked me in the eyes and he said, "Yudas, join my team. You have great potential. I I, I was frozen. I was was speechless. I, I did not even know he knew me and my name. I did not know what to do. I did not know what to say. But then uh, something came over me. I I had watched him carefully for two days. And it was not my mind speaking. It, It was my soul crying out and confirming that he was special. That he was different. That he could be God's Messiah. I knew what I had to do and... I sent word to uncle that I would not be returning to business. And that day I uh, joined the group you know as uh, disciples, apostles. I became part of the select few that would travel with him everywhere he would go. Up and down dusty roads of, of Galilee, ending up in fishing communities, small towns, even the large temple of Capernaum. His teaching, the teaching of Yeshua, it was all inspired and life changing. He, he would speak to us about God in a way that we had never heard before. It was, it was so personal. He told us of God's unending love, His amazing grace, His tender forgiveness. His message, He would say, was about each of us being spiritually born again. About giving our lives totally, wholly to God. About living lives of faith. I still remember after long days of ministry with crowds. When they were all gone. And it was just the twelve and Yeshua. We would have late dinner. And then we would sit around fire. Just us. And we would talk for hours. We would tell jokes and laugh. Typically, it ended well past midnight when, when Peter would pass gas and we would all run for cover. (laughs) It was good times. Several months after I uh, joined the disciples, Yeshua, he asked me to be treasurer to handle finances of the disciples. I was both honored and surprised he could have asked Matthew as a former tax collector. He was more more adept at handling finances. But no, he asked me, do you know why? Because he liked me. He trusted me. And so that day forward, I, as with my uncle in the business, I became responsible for all the finances, collecting the offerings and counting, uh, paying the bills, paying for food and for accommodations. Of course, I, uh, I, I very quickly discovered I could, uh, I could skim off the top a little bit for myself and no one would realize. I considered it to be legitimate payment for salary I was not receiving. I was working full time for Yeshua and no salary. Wouldn't it be nice if the religious leaders of today, your priests, your pastors would work for free? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And all God's people said, yeah, that's not going to happen. I, uh, I discovered as young boy that money, it was, uh. It was a weakness of mine we are we all like uh nice things. we all like money the The problem is when we like it too much. no when we when we love it and it begins to corrupt and to pollute our very soul. The disciples they did not know I was stealing from treasury, except possibly John. I was certain yeshua knew what I was doing but. He never said anything. He continued to treat me with respect, compassion, kindness. The the only time he he scolded me when it came to money was, was that time a street woman she she parried she took a very, a very expensive bottle of perfume and, and poured it on feet of Yeshua. It sounds strange to you, but in in our society and culture, it, it it was customary for guests to wash their feet and then to, at times, perfume them. My contention is that it seemed excessively extravagant. If he wanted me to handle the finances, let us take the bottle of perfume, sell it, finance the campaign, or buy weapons for later. Yeshua, he was not pleased with me, and he was not shy to let me know in front of everyone else. It may surprise you, but uh, that is not the first time we argued. We, we thought those soldiers were coming to harass us, but no, quite the contrary. Their leader, a centurion, he was coming to ask Yeshua for favor. He pleaded with Yeshua to heal his son who was very sick back at home. And you know what he did? He healed him. I, I was confused. I-, I did not know we were supposed to be helping the Romans. I thought we were supposed to be fighting the Romans. Don't get me wrong. I wanted spiritual revival. And, but, but I and some of the other disciples, we believed that his number one priority for Yeshua had to be the establishment of a Jewish kingdom. He was doing his part. He was preaching to large crowds. He was drawing momentum. He he had said over and over again, he had not come to bring peace, but to bring sword. Certainly he referred that to Romans. But we wanted him to declare himself king of the Jews. We had the perfect opportunity. Uh, it was a long morning of teaching it, Yeshua had drawn thousands of people out into a, a nowhere area miles from the nearest town. It came to lunch period and everyone they were hungry. They were very hungry. And there was no food. It, it, well, except except for a sack lunch of a small boy. You know what Yeshua did? He took he, he took the the sack lunch and he and he took the bread and he he prayed over it. And he miraculously multiplied this into a buffet meal for everybody to have as much as he wanted. When the uh, people discovered what he had done, when they saw it, they were they were excited. They knew what they had seen, and and the crowd they began to chant, "Yeshua Han rossi Melech. Yeshua Han rossi Melech. That means Jesus of Nazareth is king. Yes. This is what we wanted. We disciples, we were excited. We started jumping. We started dancing. I touched them new move. Yes, new move. Yes. I came up with that. It, the Jews didn't get into that. Too white, not good dancers. I don't know. You know what Yeshua did? Y- Yeshua, he just... Dismissed the multitude. Sent them on back into their homes. And then things got worse. He started to talk about suffering and dying. Started to spend an inordinate amount of time with, uh, with the poor and the sick. Started to say that we needed to love enemies. I w- was not going to love Romans. No. I, he kept speaking of, uh, of the kingdom that was at hand. But to be honest, we, we did not see any Jewish kingdom. Where was it? It was almost as if he was more interested in spiritual revolution than military revolution. More interested in saving all mankind than starting with his fellow Jews. Interested in revitalization of Saul instead of revitalization of our land. I began to wonder if he really was the leader I thought he was. Began to wonder, could he maybe not... Be the Messiah. But then, how, how could we explain miracles and power? I, I know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> that uh, Bible, it is full of fables. It, it is full of impossible miracles. Uh, all I can say is that I, I was there. I, I saw what He could do. And if you think about it for a moment, take take a step back. If Yeshua Jesus was God, is God? Isn't God, by very definition, supposed to be able to to uh, uh, do and distort the laws of nature and supersede them whenever he wants to? And if Yeshua could do that and he could perform miracles, why is it so hard to believe that some of those miracles were recorded in book, the Bible? I say some because there were so, so many. So many. I, I, he, would, he would feed out of nothing. He would calm violent storms. He would heal the lepers. He would raise people from the dead like his, his friend Lazarus. But, but my, my favorite miracle, it, it occurred in Bethsaida. These, these two men, they brought blind men. Blind men since birth to Yeshua. We did not know if they genuinely cared for man or they just wanted to see Yeshua perform another magic trick. We uh, we thought that uh, we thought that he, uh, he would pray over them, lay hands on them, on him. But but you know what you know what he did? Yeshua, <laughs> he spat in the man's face. I know I shouldn't be laughing, but I got the giggles. It struck me as so funny. He just spat in the man's face, and then he asked the man, "Can you see?" The man was confused. <laughs> Yeshua just spat in his face. He said, I, "I, I, I, I don't know. I think I could see some light." And you know what Yeshua did? He, uh, he repeated the process. <laughs> he repeated the process, except this time he got down and he spat into some dirt. <sighs> Oh, excuse, excuse me, I am so sorry about that. I am so sorry. He, I digress. He, he spat into some dirt and he made some mud and he rubbed it on man's eyes. He told him to go wash face. He ran away, came back in two, three minutes. He could clearly see. Oh, he embraced Yeshua. And he was jumping for joy. I can see, he said. I can see. I can see clouds and birds in the air. I can see plants and flowers on the ground. He even said, oh, I can also see small, evil cat over there. Yes, he said that. In my day, all religious, holy people, including Yeshua Jesus, we did not like Cat's stuff. That's just how it was. <laughs> I had to conclude He was Messiah. His power. So why wasn't He acting? Doing something? Maybe He was waiting for Passover. Passover was a Jewish festival. We uh, would celebrate the national independence and freedom from slavery from Egypt. Uh, it was because of this that uh, many so-called messiahs from past had, had wanted to start revolution and revolt during uh, uh, the Passover festival. Because everybody was excited and energized. And I guess it made sense. Yeshua, he did He did not want to be proclaimed king in Galilee. He wanted to be proclaimed king in Jerusalem, the capital. The third year of ministry, we went to Jerusalem for Passover. We stayed in a small township, our base of operation called Bethany, where Martha, Mary, Lazarus lived, their friends. I remember the following morning, Sunday, it was, I could feel something inside of me was going to happen. It was like the sun. It rose a little higher. It shone a little brighter. It beckoned people from their beds a little bit sooner. As we made our way to Jerusalem and to the city gates, we could see and we could hear thousands of people waiting for Yeshua. He began uh, riding to city gates on, on donkey. It sounds strange to you, but do you know that generals, after they had conquered the city, they would ride into city gates, riding on donkey? Imagine that in imagery. Jesus was saying, I have conquered Jerusalem. And then, then when we arrived, the people, they, uh, they picked up the palm branches. Palm branches, they began to shake them. Do you know what the palm branch was for us? Our national sign of independence. It was like thousands of Israeli and Judean flags. The revolution was starting. They began to yell, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, son of David. They were drawing the connection, the bloodline connection to our great King David, who the prophet said was a prerequisite for the true Messiah. I had never been so proud to be disciple. This is why I had left business. This is why I had left family. With the large Jewish crowd that had gathered in Jerusalem for Passover, everything was right. Now all we had to do to start the revolt was to coordinate with other Jewish factions and the Jewish religious leaders. But to our dismay, He did just the opposite. What was he doing? The question asked by the priest is a question we were all asking. What was he doing? I understand the haggling between vendors and customers, the the stench of animals, the, the money changers. It was all highly inappropriate for a place of holy worship like our temple. But to intentionally pick a fight with the priests, it did not make any sense. We would need their support for revolution. We would need their infrastructure. And then, instead of capitalizing on energy, of large crowds, of Passover and bomb Sunday, do you know what he did? He said he wanted to uh, retire to Bethany. He, he wanted to rest. This was a This was a horrible tactical move. And I was discouraged beyond belief. I I, I did not want to allow this opportunity to slip by. I believe we would not have another one like it. And so I began to wonder what could I do to further our cause? What could I do to motivate Jesus? What could I do to make him stand and fight? We wanted him to declare himself as Messiah and King of the Jews. And, and then it came to me. If I, if, if I, if I could put Yeshua in a situation when he was forced to use his powers, forced to do a miracle, well, then everybody, if he did it in a public place, everybody would see what had happened. Everybody would finally agree on who he was. The priests would come around. The zealots would come out of hiding. The crowd of Passover would join us. And the revolution would begin for sure. And so, I began to put plan in place. I, I decided uh, that I would uh, meet secretly with priests in temple. Uh, they had known everyone for a while that priests and Yeshua they had they were not seen eye to eye they, they wanted to dialogue with him question him in private not do so in public in front of crowds they wanted to I guess you would say take into custody arrest but they could not do this in front of the daytime crowds this would cause riot they needed to do this at night but for that to happen they needed help they needed an insider they needed me Someone who always knew the whereabouts of Yeshua. Someone who could clearly and quickly identify Yeshua of Nazareth. Even at night in the crowd. I did not tell him my plan. I did not tell him my motives. I just, I arranged a meeting. They wanted to seal agreement, contract they called it. They gave me 30 pieces of silver not a small amount, like ten thousand dollars in your currency. My plan—it was perfect. They would—they would try to arrest Yeshua. He would never let that happen. And so he would be forced, forced to call upon legion of angels, forced to use his power, forced to do miracle, and then everyone would know—he was who I. Who we thought He was. The plan began to unfold that, that very night, that Passover meal. Disciples, we, uh, we met small house, upper room. Um, I had not told anyone my plans, but it was almost like Yeshua knew what I was doing. Giving me opportunity to reconsider. The night, it started, it started strange and awkward. He made us all sit and He, would, uh, he washed our feet including mine. Then He put me right next to Him at seat of the table, place of honor. That meal, it, for the most part, was like any other meal with us. It was loud. People were talking. Yeshua, He was unusually quiet. Until finally He interrupted and He, uh, he said that uh, that night one of the disciples would betray Him. Betray. I I I did not like that word. I I would prefer motivate. All disciples were worried, talking amongst themselves, anxious. And then when that was happening, Yeshua he leaned over to me and he said, Yudas, what you are about to do, do it quickly. At at first I did I did not sure I, I hear him correctly. But I, look, I looked past Yeshua and I could see the face of John, the disciple John. And I knew that he had heard what Yeshua had said and I was, I was hot with embarrassment. I, I, ran, I ran from the upper room and, and I found myself on streets of Jerusalem heading toward the authorities. I, it is hard to explain how I felt at that moment alone, cold, empty, sick. In fact, I... Uh, I stopped and vomited on sight of building before I arrived to the authorities. Within one hour, I was bringing large contingency of armed guards, a few Pharisees, teachers of the law. We were heading to Gethsemane, the garden there. Yeshua had said and had planned that he would be there to, uh, to pray after evening meal. When I arrived, I, I looked like Yeshua was all by himself. But then I noticed the disciples, they had fallen asleep, huddled over on the floor. We had uh, prearranged that I would identify Yeshua by, by kissing him on cheek. This was normal greeting in our day, like handshake for you. When I approached Yeshua, it seemed to me as he had blood on face. I certainly saw tears in eyes. I embraced and I kissed his cheek, and all pandemonium broke loose. The guards they rushed in. There was yelling. There was screaming. Skirmishes, fist fights between disciples and, and between the soldiers. But eventually, disciples they they just disappeared. And Yeshua, Jesus, he was in custody. He was arrested. And so I I stood off in the shadows, and I, I waited. I waited. I expected now, now is when he's going to do his miracle. Now is when he's going to show his power, especially when they beat him. He, he was doing nothing. The guards, they allowed me to follow behind as we went through the narrow alleys and streetways of Jerusalem. We arrived at a very large ornate house right next to temple. It was the house of Caiaphas, high priest. It was well past midnight, and whatever case they were bringing against Yeshua, it would have to wait for the morning. Our law stated, no court cases in evening. But uh, Caiaphas, he knew that a daytime trial would incite the people of Jerusalem. And so one by one by one, members of Sanhedrin Jewish High Court, they arrived at House of Caiaphas for this very illegal trial. When they started case, the witnesses they had lined up, they they could not get stories straight. That this 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 event was turning into mock trial and chaos. And that that is when uh, Caiaphas he took over. He was shrewd. He was a master in the art of interrogation. And, and, and he said, "Yeshua, I-, I have one question. Speak to me the truth. Are you Messiah?" Are you son of God? It was, uh, one thing to admit you were a Messiah, a revolutionary. It was quite another thing to admit you were God. Uh, uh, We, the disciples, believed that, but for Yeshua to admit that without obvious proof, well, that would be blasphemy. Yeshua, he, he would not back down. He, he was not afraid. But he had not answered the question. And so Caiaphas, he, he asked question again. Uh, are you, I ask, are you Messiah? Are you Son of God? Yeshua, he, uh, he stood tall, spoke quietly but confidently, and he said, I am. For, for a moment, the time it froze, there was silence in the home of Caiaphas until until finally he ripped his clothing and he yelled, Blasphemy! Blasphemy! Yeshua Han Rossi has committed blasphemy against the one true God. Sanhedrin, what is your verdict? And they said, Kill him! As they began to slap him and spat upon him kill him, they, this, was, this was their anger speaking, uh, only prefect of Judea Pontius Pilate had authority to execute anyone I ran from proceedings into courtyard and there it's where I saw, I could see Peter on the corner, I, I avoided eye contact and pretend I did not see him and I ran, I ran into the city streets, I I had nowhere to go, I, I could not go back to upper room it started to rain and it, a cold wind came in from Mediterranean and I, I tried to, to find cover. I was, I was trying to, to shield myself from, from the rain and I sat and I wondered how everything had gone so terribly wrong. I began to think maybe maybe instead of trying to change Jesus and his plans, I should have allowed him to change me and my plans. I fell asleep. I woke up in the morning, and i began to i began to walk and and until I found a a shop where I could have hot drink and and food i I was so embarrassed i the The only money I had was the was the silver coins from priests and it, it was like you paying for coffee and bagel with a three hundred dollar coin. The shop owner he He was upset, predictably, wanting, trying to figure out how he would give me all the change. And and, and as he was doing that, another customer came in. The customer, he began to speak of a large, a large Jewish envoy who had taken Yeshua Hanrosi to Antonia's fortress. This is where Pontius Pilate would govern. They were, they were following through on their, on their threat. I did, I did not wait for change and I ran to city square. I wanted to see what was happening in the proceedings. Pilate had, uh, had decided to try and appease the thirst for blood of the crowd and had whipped Yeshua. The, uh, the Roman scourging, it was called the halfway death because it would, well, take a man halfway to death. In some cases, kill them altogether. The, the soldiers, they had been so violent Yeshua, he had no skin on his back and there was blood everywhere and he was so weak, he could not stand. Pilate, he decided when Yeshua was brought back to him that he he would appeal to Passover feast to avoid this mess. And he give crowd at town square option that he could release Yeshua and Rossi, Jesus of Nazareth, or a former acquaintance of mine. Barabbas The zealot. I had become familiar with zealots and with Barabbas in particular, when I had worked with them and associated. And let me just say this: this is not a man that, that you would want to know, not as your enemy, not as your friend. Immediately, the crowd they said, "Give us Barabbas, Barabbas, We want Barabbas." I, I was confused. And then Pilate said, Well, what should I do with the Nazarene? I, I looked around and I could see that there was men everywhere that had conspired and plotted against Yeshua and the crowd that began to yell, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. No, no. A, a shiver went up my spine and I thought, Yeshua now. Now do the do the miracle now. Forced the authorities to beg for your forgiveness. But it was almost as if he was at peace with what was going to happen. Pilate, he stood, he waved his arm. He confirmed the verdict and that very day. There's no appeal process then. that very morning, Yeshua would be crucified on Roman cross. The crowd, they cheered, they jumped for joy and someone, they bumped into me and that's when I heard the the coins that I had been given by priests and I ran to temple and I pushed my way in. Don't you understand? I didn't want any of this to happen. Don't you understand? I didn't want or expect Yeshua to be put on a cross. Don't you understand that if I had wanted that, I would have never returned the money, let alone take my own life? How much more proof do you need that I did not want this? And I was, I was filled with remorse. Apparently, Yeshua would not free Himself miraculously. Apparently, God, the Father, would allow His Son to be crucified on a cross. And now, Yeshua. I never told anyone, but even as an adult man, I had nightmares. Remembering when I had watched as a young boy, my father crucified on Roman cross. I could never uh, I could never get his screaming and suffering out of my mind and now the one who I had called master he would go to cross roman crucifixion it was considered to be the most vile violent form of execution ever invented by mankind It it, it was intended to create as much pain and suffering and humiliation as possible. They, They would push a man down onto a beam and they would tie him and then they would drive nails through his hands. They would lift him up into sky naked and wait for him to asphyxiate to death. It could take hours or even days. And now, my friend, the one who I... Thought would liberate our people, the one who I truly, genuinely believed to be Son of God, he would go to Roman cross because of what I had done. I desperately wanted to fall at his feet and beg for his forgiveness. I had never seen him turn anyone away, but I believed that my sin, my betrayal, it was too great. Don't make that mistake. There is no sin. That he won't forgive. He wants to, but you you must ask. I ran and I ran and I, I ran and ended up in an abandoned field outside of Jerusalem. My head, it was ringing. My heart, it was thumping. My eyes, they were crying. Mine was not... A good end. It was not honorable. I'm not proud of that. I came here today. To help you understand. Easter story. And the role that I played. But the main reason I came. Was to challenge you. Challenge you. The way Yeshua challenged us. Around those campfires. Challenge you to to be spiritually born again, to live life of faith, to give yourself completely to God. Trust me. You won't regret that. Trust me. Shalom. Goodbye.
2: You know, when uh, Pastor Dave sent me this script earlier this week, there was one thing that just jumped out at me, just popped off the page. And that was that if Judas went and returned all the money, and then he went and took his own life, clearly what he expected to happen didn't happen. Clearly what Judas expected to happen with Jesus, to Jesus, didn't happen. Those were not his plans, right? And all of a sudden, I found myself relating to Judas a lot more than I thought I would. I don't know about you, but I can relate to having my own plans. And they are good plans. And those of you who know me know that I love little post-it notes and all the like little colors. And so they're good plans and they're colorful. Right? right? And then you're just, ah, oh, with everything you can, you unroll those plans with great intentions. And sometimes, wow, they just don't unroll the way you really expected them to. And you find yourself standing in some circumstances that you feel like the blood is on your hands. Oh, if you're there this morning, let me remind you, God's plan Oh, that's perfect. God's plan is perfect. See, when God purposed to come to this earth, when he peeled back that veil between eternity and time, when he reached down and set his foot on the soil of our planet, there was one purpose, one plan. And guess what that was? It was you. It was me. It was for your neighbor. You might not even like your neighbor that you're sitting next to, but God's plan is for you. Because we know what happens in the story. We know Jesus' body doesn't stay in that tomb. We know that his plan was perfect. He purposed to die and then rise again defeating death and then he holds out to you this absolutely magnificent extravagant oh i can't even believe it's true love forgiveness for you today oh that you would say yes to that because he gave you everything oh today you would say yes my prayer for you this morning is that god would woo you He just woo you with his love. You get those like funny little butterflies in your gut, you know, right now. And you'd be like, oh, it's not, it might be hunger pains, but I don't think so. All right. I think that's Jesus wooing you just breathing fresh on you today. That his abundant, fantastic love and forgiveness. Oh, that we would say yes to that today. We would proclaim his life for you. God, I just love you so much. I thank you for all that you did. I thank you that your plan is perfect. Oh, how perfect it is. God, I pray right now, Lord, that we would not add to your plan. We wouldn't take away from your plan. Instead, we would just lean into this magnificent, oh, beyond measure love for us today. We praise your holy name. I pray you bless our our gifts and our tithes this morning lord i thank you that you just received them with uh with such a blessing right back on us god i thank you that you are pleased i i am so thankful that you loved us first oh that we would love you back in Jesus' holy name and we all said
0: It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobronte, California, exists to help everyone take their next step closer to Jesus. Thanks again for listening.